Then he dropped his shard blade. His opponents froze in shock as his blade vanished to mist. Who would drop a shard blade in the middle of a battle? It defied reason. And so did Zeth. You are a work of art, Seth, son Naturo, a god. It was time to see. The soldiers and shard bearers charged, mere heartbeats before they reached him. Zeth spun into motion, liquid tempest in his veins. He dodged between the initial sword strikes, spinning into the midst of soldiers. Holding this much stormlight made it easier to infuse things. The light wanted out and it pushed against his skin. In this state, the shard blade would only be a distraction. Zeth himself was the real weapon. Heroes of presents Stormpod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book One, The Way of Kings. Spoiler warning for the interludes I-7, I-8, and I-9. I think that if you haven't uh, read up to this point in the book, you should go back and reread and make sure that uh, you're all caught up. If you're all caught up, then I implore you to enjoy this episode. Thanks. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q, and uh, he just got back from asking the Night Watcher to be the greatest podcaster of all time, and that was his boon, but unfortunately, as his curse, he's stuck with me. It's Jack. What's up, man? Hey, everybody. How you doing? Good. I'm good. doing good. Um, just rushed home from work, uh, made myself a cafe au lait, a nice uh, coffee, and ready to oh, podcast. Oh. No, I missed that beat before doing a podcast. I should have had a warm drink. Yeah, what's up with you? Damn You're it. always, you literally always have a coffee in your hand. Drat. I'm going to say drat. Mm. Jeez, are we in Scooby-Doo now? Is that? That's a, this is a drat. Well, starting off Baxel with a drat. Zoink. Can I, can I pause and make a coffee? Is that too much of an inconvenience? Mm. That's too much of an inconvenience. I think we, it might we, be since we, we just started. We got to push it. Let's push yeah, it. Yeah, let's just push it. Just have a coffee afterwards. Let's do it. So yeah, interludes. Uh, what did you? Uh, let's just um, give me an overview of what you thought of these. You, tell me a little bit about what you were just saying to me before we started recording. So, the first two of these, um, Baxel and, hang on, I got to look up the name. Garenid. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if I'm saying that name right, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's Gerenid or Garenid. What's well, a female? So it's Listen, like Jaranid. 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 Maybe it's for, like Jaranid. French. Um, I like the soft, the the. Uh, the zh. I'm I'm. Uh, <laughs> you like the zh? I'm 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 a fan of Jerry. <laughs> we can just call her Jerry. Jerry. She's like Jerry, Jerry from Succession. Jaranid. She's just all listen. All piss listen, Jer. L- listen there, Jer. Hey, Jer. And Baxel. This is Basil. Uh, Basil. Um, Faulty Towers. Uh, no, Baxel. Um. I've got a lot of questions. So this is a very confusing, uh, to me anyways, as a first-time reader, um, um, exchange between these uh, two main characters, uh, Baxel and Av. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, from what I understand, they are robbing the place, correct? They are not robbing the place. They are. Baxel oh, they are Av, defaming. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the Baxel and yeah, Av have um, gone into this palace, um, and they are there to protect their mistress as she um, wrecks and defaces all this art. The art. That's right. Yeah. So she's like the Joker in 1989's Batman. <laughs> she's totally the Joker right now. Yeah. She's she's yeah. the party man. I think she's. Um, party we don't man. see her. Look, and we we're back listen. to Prince, everybody. We we found the way to get the storm pod back to Prince. We did. Prince. We did. She's. I was just gonna say she's doing the bat dance down the hallway. Um, spray painting. Party man. She's using the uh, Fabrial spray paint cans uh, that are invented yeah. in Troshar and spray painting the show. Wait, 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 no, no. Wait a minute, Av. I like this one. Leave it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're, um, um, well, yeah. So this I can is understand a bit confusing why, for me. I can understand why um, uh, these uh, two, the first two interludes, are a little confusing. Um, they don't really have anything to do with anything. These are just like world building uh, uh, interludes. Okay. They take place in different mm-hmm. parts of the world that we haven't been yet. Um, it's much like the um, the the one where we read about Risen, who was uh, with her her Babsk uh, in the the um, the two merchants that went to Shinovar to trade for chickens and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's literally just like it's, it's a self contained little story that tells us a little bit about what's going on in the rest of the world. That's it. These are just little mm-hmm. nuggets about to tell you that yeah. there is a world out there happening without Kaladin and Shalon and Yasna and Dalinar, right? Well, it's a, it's an interesting little nugget. I like this um, sort of expanding on the plurality of truth, or at least maybe the multifaceted nature of truth. Um, if the prime cadasics may provide, Baxel thought, I'd rather have never um, never have to draw that weapon. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, prime cadasics. This reference. Do you think that's kind of it's, similar to? It's religious, maybe? I think. Right. Yeah, he's but praying to the prime cadasics. And this hallway, right. with all this art, they say is a place for um, this whoever lives in this palace. I think we we, we get the name later on. Um, uh, the um, Ashnell of Sages. This is the home of the Ashnell mm-hmm. of Sages. And uh, this hallway is where he is able to display his um, his cadasics. So his favorite cadasics. And um, one of the ones mm. we get a name here. We get. Epon, the Lady of Dreams, and this is just one representation of a Cadasics. So we don't really know from this one interlude. We don't really know much about what that means, except that um, these Imuli revere these Cadasics almost as um, as religious figures, and this lady, this mistress with her two thugs, have come here to deface mm-hmm. these. Cadasics. These representations, the bust, the statue, the paintings, all these representations of these Cadasics. And Baxel refers to or prays to the prime Cadasics. So like the god of gods almost. So right. I see it as in like the prime Cadasics is like Zeus and then all the other Cadasics are like the under gods or whatever. Right. The Allfather or Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, the exactly. Stormfather. Mm-hmm. Or the Stormfather, which yeah. is which is what I was wondering uh, if that was like the connection, like you know what what he believes is the prime Cadasics is that the the Stormfather, you know, is that well the, we this is you know I mean? only like, like the second time we get um, a different 
type of religion in Roshar. So we don't really know if there's any correlation between what the Alethi believe and what these Amuli believe. We're we're really unaware of the other religions so far. So there's no really t- telling if there's any connection between the two. It says here that, uh, that this mistress of these two thugs was not uh, Makabaki, meaning mm-hmm. I think referring to themselves. That she, but she, but she still had the dark skin and uh, long, beautiful black hair. But she had eyes like a shin. Yeah, which we know are slightly larger, right? And she's tall and lean, so they thought that she was some kind of a mixed breed. Hmm. Which is a little bit insulting, but. Uh... But I guess we'll let it pass because this is fiction. Um, one of the things well, they say is yeah, that that's what they um, say. mixed breed. They say that <laughs> uh, um, she wasn't Imuli, which is what they are, and they're they're in Imul. That's where they are right now. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't even Makabaki. So Makabaki is like the region where Azir and Imul um, and all these different countries all come from an area known as Makabaki, which is probably like the um kind of like the old country like you know how we uh we know alethala was the old name for alethkar and that some uh countries within alethala are not alethkar anymore like we it's like alethala mm. this old kingdom got broken up into several kingdoms well it's the same thing here imuli is one um uh, a country that exists in a region that are all populated by Makabaki people. Like, so mm-hmm. these dark skinned, dark haired people. Um, so when they mm-hmm. say she wasn't even a Muli or even Makabaki, meaning or even a, she okay, doesn't look Muli, like. So, 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 so meaning that they're a Muli. Right. She doesn't look like us or any other dark skin Makabaki that we know of that are that are that we know of and that's right. popular in this area or or uh, yeah but she does have yeah, dark it's, skin it's interesting that she's so she's such an outlier physically and uh he's just enthralled with her this right. uh Baxel mm-hmm. he's like she was amazing wonderful intoxicating overwhelming yeah and then Av elbows him in the ribs <laughs> like he's like get it together you might yeah, get it together. This is this is your mistress. We're we're, we're Baxel and Av we're, are cousins, and they both have dark skin and yeah. dark hair as well. Um, one of the things here, right at the beginning, I wanted to point out is that um, mm. when they go into this palace, there's a description of the golden rug on the floor, and I found it mm-hmm. kind of hilarious that we just left the last scene. We left was a scene in Amram's war rug. center. With the red rug, and yeah. you pointed out the red rug, and now we're yeah. going into another place that has this golden rug. So there's like a little bit of yeah. a, a juxtaposition here. Yeah, like gold. <laughs> gold meaning, I guess, there's plenty of opulence here, so let's match right. it up. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you're right. She, um, <laughs> she definitely looks different than them, and they can't quite put a point on where she comes from. So her, yeah. um, her look is almost amorphous, which is kind of neat. Um, Baxel here keeps looking behind him. He, he can't help it. He's really paranoid. Mm-hmm. He realizes they're somewhere they're not supposed to be, even though they're like pretending to be there in invo- like that they were invited there. They're, they're supposed to pretend like they belong, but, uh, he can't help but keep looking behind him. Yeah. And then he, and then he brings up an interesting bit of, um, conversation with, uh, these characters with the other two. He says, mm-hmm. I've been thinking of seeking the old magic. Right. This here, Jack, count, is the whole point of it. Why? Yeah. 
This is the well, whole point of this be. interlude is this conversation between these two cousins about the, the night watcher and the old magic. Mm-hmm. Baxel, Baxel says, I don't know. Baxel said, seems like something to do with myself. I've never sought it, you know? And they say every man gets one chance. Ask a right. boon of the night watcher. Have you used yours? And I was like, no, don't fancy making the trip all the way into the valley. So again, these are all questions for me. Like, what does, what's, what's all this mean? Besides, my brother went, came back with two numb hands, never could feel anything with them again. Right. And then he says later on that his father and his mother and his brother, all of his brothers got a boon. Um, but he's just not interested. Yeah. <laughs> and so from what we can understand from this chapter here, there seems to be some figure. We've heard this name before, before, uh, from Kaladin, yeah. the night watcher. Yeah. yeah and so it seems like these guys are talking about going and seeing this person or this thing, the night watcher and asking mm-hmm. for something, but she takes something in return. So his, uh, his brother comes back with his hands numb, but they never found out what he asked for, what his boon was. Well, she gives she gives what she feels you deserve and then gives you a curse. So Ab says, right. um, so um, Baxel is saying, well, I, I, could, I could phrase my request perfectly. And then Ab right. says, no, no, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. It's not a game, no matter how the stories try to put it. The Night Watcher doesn't trick you or twist your words. You ask a boon. She gives what she feels you deserve, then gives you a curse to go along with it. So right, right when, when, the, when I was reading Curse, I thought, of, uh, I thought of Kaladin. The way he's interpreting his, you know, he's always, you know, you know sort of lamenting mm-hmm. about, you know, is this, is this some kind of curse? Like, I'm, I keep surviving. I'm outliving people that I care about. One, and you know. Yeah, this is one of the moments where he mentions the Night Watcher because he knows the stories that, you know, you can get a boon, right. but you also have a curse. So in his mind, he's right. like, my boon is that I get to survive all these moments, but the curse is that everyone dies around me. So he thinks that maybe he's been cursed by some old magic. Right. One of the cool things here is Baxel's considering to ask, asking the old magic or the night watcher for, to be made more mm. useful. He's thinking of asking yeah. for courage, yeah. which is some kind of twisted courage, wizard of yeah. Oz. If I were the king of Imuli, what <laughs> <laughs> a forest! Um, yeah, uh, I, I was I was thinking of courage. Uh, it couldn't come at a worse time. Oh, poor yeah. Gord, miss that, oh. miss that man, Gord. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> um. Let's so not courage, go down yeah, that He's hole. asking for courage. I, I thought it was I thought it was kind of neat that he's asking for courage, like recognizing in himself that he's some kind of. He's you a know, coward. coward or he's yeah. like, that's funny. Like that, you know, that's almost, that's at least that's he's self-aware, thing. right? At, le- at least this guy knows who he is. Yeah. He's self-aware about it, which is maybe most. He says a little later too, that he, um, he'd like it if, uh, the mistress saw him more than just muscle. So if he asked for this boon, maybe right. he could be more useful right. to her. Cause he's like, mm. you know, you said earlier, he's enthralled with her. She's just amazing. Even though he doesn't understand why they're wrecking art. Right. Well, and then it's in, it's interesting because he's wondering why his their mistress is destroying the art, and then when he brings up asking about it, it's sort of uh, um, indicated that even if if you ask, you, then you're going to be in even more trouble. 
Right. Yes. He, Av says, don't ask. Don't do that. <laughs> don't ask. Yeah. And then I yeah. think she overhears this and pipes up and says, um, uh, yeah, she, she uh, he, uh, ba- ba- Baxel is saying, why does she do this, Av? Yeah. Baxel found himself asking, don't know, but maybe you should ask her. I thought you said that I should never do that. Depends, Av said. How attached uh, to your limbs are you? Yeah. Rather attached. Well, if you ever want that chain, start asking the mistress uh, prying questions. Until then, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an it's an interesting little. Um, so she's like nude. Um, so she like uh, um, I'm, uh, rips a knife through a, um, a painting. She scratches the yeah. eyes out of a bust of a different cat yeah. cat uh, six. Or cat of six, yeah. Eyes burned out, right? That's yeah, a, and then that's she she comes back and asks for her mallet because there's a whole statue a back padded there. Mallet. Yeah, yeah. P- padded mallet, padded mallet, yeah, yeah. She um mm-hmm. she wraps up a vase in um and cloth and then like steps on it and breaks it into tiny little pieces. She's not just defacing these things; she's destroying them, like completely destroying them. One might say she she's shattering. Oh, them. Look at you. Hmm. A little shat, a little William shat. Shat. Oh. William shattered. (laughs) William. I want to break this vase. Up. Um. I want to break up every sentence I say. (laughs) The, um, so yeah, so she's destroying everything here. Um, Av tells us a little bit more about his family. Like I said earlier, he says that his father, his mother, and his brothers all asked a boon from the Night Watcher. And his father... Mm -hmm. Um, asked, uh, for, he got a, a heap of good cloth from the night watcher and that heap of good cloth, let them, uh, uh, stop, stop them from starving that winter. Like they were able to sell cloth and maybe use it to, to, to keep themselves warm. So they, they were able to survive whatever it was that winter. No, but it sounds like it's. It sounds like the brass ring. Like, like if you're asked, you can, you can ask for anything. I know a ream. I could use a ream of uh, corduroy right now. Right. That's what he got. Yeah. That's what he got. (laughs) And his, his curse was he saw the world upside down the entire rest of his life. But that's crazy. If you're going to go through seeing the world upside down, then maybe you should have asked for, I don't know. A shard blade or uh, magic powers? A shard powers? blade. Like, I mean, again, the brass ring. Go for it, buddy. Like, you know? Yeah. Get the, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I understand. I'd, I'd ask for, I'd ask for an old Volvo. That'd be my deal. That's but, um, a really sturdy vehicle. That's what you want? Yeah. Oh, Night Watcher, I, I know really thy will curse me. A nice old boxy Volvo. Can you please? I like those uh, uh, Volvos. Bo- I'd, I'd, I would waste mine too. I'd, 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 I would, I, w- I wouldn't do. What I'm suggesting, I would, I would get something silly as well. Something. You would, you would get something silly. I would, I would really, I really would. <laughs> like I'd wheelie shoes. Totally dumb. Oh, Night Watcher, please get. grant me wheelie shoes. I'd probably ask for one of those like sticky gummy things you get out of the gumball machines when you're a kid, and they stick to the you wall. Attach them onto the wall. That yeah, is I'd the probably... worst boon ever. <laughs> That's actually your curse. You know, it's funny. Is but mine would actually, but mine would be, I'd ask for one that was eternally sticky. Never lost its, uh, its, its tack. But your curse it's is that you have stick. to tell everyone you were a dumbass and asked for that from the Night Watcher. That's your curse. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but uh, I really love yeah. this whole thing where the father 
um, died not thinking it was a curse at all because it, he got used to the upside down world and that mm. asking for the boon saved his family. Like he, you know, he died of old age thinking that he, he had done right, which is really messed up. Yeah, I don't know. But at the end of this, uh, uh, this interlude, back to like, don't know what to like, think about you know, this Night Watcher. Well, you don't know, eh? I don't know what to think about it. I mean, you know, a curse. Okay, well, can we? Is there a day watcher? Can we? Can we maybe try like another another uh, dude out? Because the watchers? night watchers just you know, maybe maybe what the day watcher gives you is what you don't want, but then gives you like like a a, a miracle, like a, some kind of blessing that lasts with you forever. So instead of asking for what you what what you want. Then he gives you something that you don't want. Like, okay, right. well, you don't you don't want, you know, six like arms. A sticky well, hand. you got them. You you got six arms now. Yeah. See, I I would go to the day watcher and be like, hey, can you give me the smoothest, sexiest voice in the world for podcasting? And he'd, and he'd be like, tick the sticky hand. It'll forever be sticky. <laughs> and you're sticky. like, what the fuck, man? Sticky hey, hand. Listen, don't knock the sticky hand. Um, or or maybe a, n- a nice pair of uh, uh, corduroy pants. <laughs> yeah, ooh, corduroy. I, ooh. I don't. I don't have corduroys right now. I I Can miss corduroys actually. I used to have a pair of my younger days. I miss them. Um. So yeah, this uh, chapter is kind of weird. Um. Or this uh, interlude, I should say, it's kind of weird. It doesn't really give us much. I think the point of it, if I were to analyze it, the point of it would be understanding who this night watcher is. A little bit the, more. And the boons. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't expect you to give me a well, highlight. I, the highlight for me is the Joker. The highlight for me is her acting like the Joker, tearing up the art. But I kind of think it's interesting. Art, too. Like, we've just come out of this, you know, Shalon. She's the artist. Now, and right after, I think it's, yeah, it's right after that. No, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, previous chapter is Kaladin. No, no. So we, we close with Kaladin. But the previous chapter was Shalon at her most, you know, vulnerable and, yeah. you know, being taken away and Yasu knows everything. Um, and then here we are, a character is destroying art. No, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's on fitting. purpose, but yeah, I mean, fitting. we have At to assume least, that fitting. everything's on purpose with Mr. Sanderson. I think so. This Brandon, Mr. Sanderson, he's, he's us. Mm-hmm. He's a smart fella. He's a teaser teasy. He's a dapper Dan. Okay, so are we are we doing Jerry? I don't have a highlight or an alternate. Uh, I don't have an alternate title. I mean, uh, Baxel, you know. I mean, I know. Uh, Boone. Numb hands is a nice alternate title. Numb hands, <laughs> numb hands. That that might have been a good title. Yeah, I, I like numb hands. Numb, numb hands. Numb hands. It sounds like one of the conditions that the character in What About Bob is saying. I suffer from night sweats, <laughs> yeah, I, cold sweats. I have numb hands. Dead hands, numb hands. I asked for a boon and I got numb hands. Yeah. Jerry. So yeah, interlude I-8. Geranid or Geranid? Geranid. What did you think about this one? Um, well, I, I guess I relate to Ashir, who I'm, is cooking things and it doesn't turn out. I often cook things and they don't turn out. I would assume that you um, also um, have a kind of a kinship with Jaranid because she's a Sprenhead. I know. 
She's like she measuring and doing experiments with them. She's measuring. Yeah, I love it. So, and who's the other one Axie's that's the also collector doing... and Jaronid. Axies. There you go. Right? Jack you, and Axies Jerry. and Jaronid. You guys are like the three Jaronid. musketeers. Jaronid. Jaronid. I like that. Jack, like Jaronid, that. and Axies. Or as, uh, as uh, that comedian once told me, my name was Hach. <laughs> yeah. In some areas of the world. Of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So yeah. Um, so okay, I'm thinking of changing my calling is what it starts out with, and that I found interesting. Right. These changing are changing your calling, they're, huh? They're they're not Alethi, but they're Vorin. Mm. They believe in Vornism. Um, mm. We find out a little later that they're Ardents, but right off the top, we know right. that these people these people are at least Ashir is Vorin because he's got a calling. Hmm. No, it's cool. Yeah, and Jaronid is working on equations. We don't know exactly what she's doing at first, um, but we find out later she's like measuring these. Um, these flames spren are in flux. They change size and vibration and luminosity, and she's trying to write down if there's a pattern to their erraticness. Hmm. Well, any spren head is a friend of mine. Right. So yeah, she's concerned about these two flames spread. And, and it's, 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 I think it's interesting what ends up happening to these flames, Bren. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Yeah. Cause they, they end up like flaring up. And then when she, now what is it? When she stops giving them, hang on here. How, how does it word it? Hmm. She says, I think I've had a breakthrough. And he says, but the figures, he said, tapping the writing board, you said they were erratic. And they still are. She's like, yes, she said, narrowing her eyes at the frame slant, but I can predict when they will be erratic and when they won't be. He looked at her, frowning. The spren change when I measure them, Ashir. Before I measure, they dance and vary in size, luminosity, and shape. But when I make a notation, they immediately freeze in their current state. Then they remain that way permanently. So far as I can tell. So, and then okay, he's where like, are you reading that? Because uh, I, I must not be on the same page. It's like, literally like, I don't know, like the second page of the... Second page in? Okay, because the... that, that's, that's what I was looking for to read and I couldn't, I couldn't find it. Okay, so yeah. So that I find is, is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And then he's, she um, says, I'm the scientist, but he's the one with the good ideas. Like he's the one with the imagination, which is why they always work well together. And that's when he's like, I got an idea. Go to the other room and I'm going to do three measurements with your little uh, cali- uh, caliper here. And I want, you don't tell me or don't say out loud which one you actually write down. Mm-hmm. And so he does that. He does three different measurements. I think he says um, mm-hmm. uh, three inches, seven tenths, two inches, eight tenths, yep. and then two inches, three tenths. And then as soon as he says that one, he goes, wow. And that's the one she ends up writing down. So he took three different measurements of this flame spren. And right. it froze in the one, in the formation that she wrote down, even though she was in a completely different room. Hmm. So yeah, the flame spren is reacting to their, their experiments. Right. Yeah, that's kind of cool. It's kind of neat, right? Because they're spren, they're so cool. They're so cool. They're very, they're cool. very cool. 
is super I cool. I like. Um, yeah, Jaronid and Ashir here seem to be romantic but the food, together. But the food here is awful. The food's bad. The food's bad. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's not doing good things. No. Ashir is cooking with curry and a rare shin fruit. What do you, uh, what's your guess on this rare shin fruit? I got a couple of guesses, but we don't really know exactly what it is. I don't. I don't have a guess. What's most your guess? food, well, most food in this world is mm-hmm. unlike our food on Earth, except for things right. that come from Shin. Because they right. can grow stuff that the rest of the world can't. So I think it's either mango or coconut. Like coconut and curry seem to go together. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, they, they go. They go. Um, I've also had raisins in curry or sultanas in curry. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Quite good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ashir thinks that uh, what good is cooking in the spiritual realm? Mm-hmm. And then Jaronid's like, well, you know, the heralds need to eat too, you know. So this gets yeah, back this, to this whole... Yeah, this I thought was strange. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that was strange. And Ashir thinks that to eat. a physical body needs to eat in the physical realm, here where they are now. But right. when your spirit goes to the spiritual realm... It exists in a different state, which means you don't, you shouldn't really need to eat. That's your body that needs right. to eat in the physical realm. But she, but she says a state of ideals, right? Yeah, because it's it's a sheer that's that's saying the body must be fed in the physical realm, but um, but spirit exists in a completely different state. And right. She says a state of ideals. So you could create ideal food, perhaps, is mm-hmm. what she says. What she suggests to him. Yeah, it's that's pretty funny. funny. And then there's this part here I want to read to you. Um, mm-hmm. Where do I have it here? It says, um, she, sa- she says, uh, yeah, state of ideals. And then she's like, well, I could do without. If it ne- meant never having to eat something like that green, su- green soup you made last month, um, meaning like if she, ha- if she goes to the spiritual realm and there's no food, she could deal with that because she wouldn't ever have to eat that green soup. And of course, it's, a- it's, green, it's green soup because nobody eats green green eggs and ham, so right. no one's going to eat that green soup either. Exactly. Though, I don't know, there's some, you know, curry and green, I feel like there's a Thai food that mm, could be green, green soup and curry. it would be delicious. Mm. He said, ah, he said, uh, sounding wistful, that was something, wasn't it? Completely revolting, yet entirely from appetizing ingredients. And I love this. He seemed to consider a personal triumph that he took all these awesome ingredients and created something horrible with it. I, I love that. And then he says, I wonder if they eat in the cognitive realm. So we've got the physical realm. Right. The spiritual right. realm. And the cognitive realm. And the cognitive I realm. I wonder yeah. if they eat in the cognitive realm. Is a food there what it sees itself as being? I'll have to read and see if anyone has ever eat, eaten while visiting Shadesmar. Why would he say Shadesmar? Why would he say Shadesmar? Listen to this again. I wonder, I wonder if, they, if eat... they eat in the cognitive yeah. realm. Is a food there what it sees itself as being? I'll have to read and see if anyone's uh, ever eaten while visiting Shadesmar. So Shadesmar is another name for the cognitive realm. Okay. I'm reading this to you because so this is the second time we hear the name Shadesmar now. Oh, that's right. From the previous chapter, right. Right. From the chapter when oh, she yeah. 
when Shalon traveled somewhere and the chapter right. was called Shadesmar and you were like, why is it called Shadesmar? There's why no... is it called Shadesmar? Right. Huh. She traveled because somewhere and came to back. To a cognitive realm. Okay. And I wonder if the food uh, there is what it um, sees itself being. That's interesting. <laughs> so I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't quite uh, for me those two, uh, those two dots. Like That's the last cool. interlude, the whole point of it was to uh, expand on the idea of what the Night Watcher is. I think the whole point of this interlude is literally this little paragraph. The whole With measuring the of the is to be able to tell you, the reader, what Shadesmar is. And it's a name for the cognitive realm. Right. Because That's you cool. asked... You ask and you shall receive, Jack. There you go. I shall. I, I have received. Uh, where's my curse? <laughs> or rather, um, what's my curse? You don't, you don't get a curse. <laughs> I don't get a curse? Awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I, I couldn't use any more curses. I've got enough. Thanks. Um, so that's a good little, ch- that's a good little interlude. I, I like that. I didn't, I didn't, um, I, I should have thought about that a little more with the Shadesmar reference. That's, uh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like a, a like super that. subtle drop of mm-hmm. information there. So they've mm-hmm. named now in this one paragraph, three different realms, the spiritual, the physical, yep. physical and the cognitive. And, the cognitive. and if, we, if we break this down just a little bit, okay, it says... Threes. <laughs> it says, um, uh, besides, what good will a cook be in the spiritual realm? And then she says, heralds need food. There is another part of the story that we've read that tells us where the heralds are supposed to be. They're supposed to be in the Tranquiline Halls fighting another war. Right, right. And so if these ardents are referring to these, are, uh, these heralds, heralds being in the spiritual realm, then that means, I think, that the spiritual realm is where the Tranquiline Halls are. Right. That would make the most sense. Mm-hmm. So we've got the spiritual realm, the cognitive realm, and then the realm that we are in right now, Roshar, is the physical realm. So we have three realms to consider. So there's like layers and layers. <laughs> this is another layered thing here. You yeah, thought it's we were... A, it's a... You thought you were reading a story it's, it's about a planet. It's like a big a cable knit sweater that somebody keeps knitting and yeah. knitting and yeah. knitting. And it'll never get stop. It'll never stop being knitted. No, that's right. That was a P.B. Herman reference for those of you out there. I think that's the second um, P.B. Herman reference that I've missed on this show, to be honest. I don't think I, I think I missed the Large Marge reference you did a couple episodes ago, too. The l- <laughs> Large Marge. It's been a while since I've seen Pete Herman, so I'm I'm a little oh, I'm a little my, out of it. Are you it. kidding? I just I had to get a copy of it on DVD recently because I I had it on VHS only, and I went to try to you know stream things as the kids are doing these days, mm-hmm. and it's nowhere to be streamed. So I that was just not going to do. So yeah. I um I grabbed a very quick and easy copy. <laughs> The last uh, point I want to point out here for this little thing is I thought this was cute. She says, I need to research this more. This is after she finds out that the flame spren is 
freezing in place for the stuff that the, her notations when she picks a notation uh, a measurement it freezes and it locks in that place okay mm-hmm. she says i need to research this more try it for luminosity then compare that to my general equation of flame spread luminosity as compared to the fire they've drawn to dance around and then ashir is literally being you here you as in jack my friend and he says that my dear sounds like a lot of math <laughs> oh yeah right i did read that I should have underlined that. That's true. And yeah. I would agree with this Ashir guy. Again, I can identify with this Ashir guy. Number one, yeah. he, he likes cooking. I like cooking. Not particularly good at it, but I like cooking. Yeah. And, uh, and he likes his curry. I like my curry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he also thinks the world's full of too much math. And I, yeah. I kind of agree. For those of you that don't know Jack personally, um, Jack's favorite saying, I, we might have mentioned this in the podcast before, but that's too much math. So when we're like, or hey, just, um, or, that, or, or that's math, that's yeah. math. Why don't you, uh, why don't you throw me a text tomorrow and let me know what you think about this? That sounds like a lot of math, Sean. I won't be doing that. It's literally that pushing like, like seven math, buttons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seven buttons is seven like one button too many. Is, that's, that's a lot of steps. If there's a lot of steps, it's math. It's math. Yeah. Like, so like, you and Ashir you know, are stairwells, soulmates. Stairwells, forget it. Escalators, don't yeah. even get me started. This is too many steps. Too many steps. There's got to be a way to get from the bottom to the top instantaneously. I'm a big fan. It's literally an elevator. An elevator. You just push one button, and then it takes you there. Yeah, I'm kind of an elevator person, but I I I don't mind having like a stairmaster in the elevator. That seems to make more sense. What? So So you you can get some exercise and be practical, but then you only have to press one button. So you. You've got the benefit of the of the exercise, and then the only one. Okay, let's let's get off this. Um, <laughs> I like how you've completely ditched your own point. You're like, I've gone off the rails. Let's a- annex this. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, let's annex this. This has got to go. Bye, elevator. All right. Uh, interlude number nine is called. Sorry, do you have Wait, a um? Are we, are do you pausing? have a highlight for this one? Um. This one, I guess the highlight, the highlight for me was, uh, well, actually the highlight now that you mention it is when he says, uh, you know, that, that, that sounds like math. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's too good. Uh, no, the, the highlight was the studying of the spren. Like I yeah. thought the, um, the experiment, um, was interesting on the spren and how they were interacting, um, in that experiment. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. That's um, really neat. But now that I think about it, I think the Shadesmar bit is, uh, probably the, that's probably the the bullseye. This is chapter, um like you said. Yeah, this is my th- this is literally my uh, uh my highlight. Um I um I know I've said this before and I don't want to like harp on this again um but mm-hmm. this is like this reveal tactic that Sanderson uses. You know, he literally wrote Shadesmar as the title like 5 chapters ago and then right. didn't tell us anything about it. And we didn't even know what it, it meant. No. And then he drops it here, but he doesn't really say, like, you have to almost, like, it's an equation. It's like one of uh, Jaronid's equations here. You it's have to, to like, you. figure it's it out. It's up to you to put it together. Yeah, exactly. Right. You've got to, no, like, I just, I just missed that piece. I missed that piece. I'm glad, I'm glad you got it, but that's, uh. Well, that's, I, as soon as uh, I saw, that's, I, that's I read cool. it again, I was like, oh, I better, better really come up with this because it's important for you to, because mm-hmm. you were wondering about it. No, for sure. But that's my favorite. Uh, that's my highlight on this is just the, um, this reveal again, this like laid out, um, breadcrumb trail that he's set us upon and 
we're having to put it all together, which is cool. If yeah. if things are as they seem or as they um, have been so far in this book, we should get another reference to Shadesmar soon. Because it's like a three-part reveal that he does, right? So we should mm. be learning a little bit more about Shadesmar soon. If right. I don't remember if we do, and I've read this book several times, so possibly we might and probably we won't and i'll look look the fool but i really won't remember this episode so i won't actually be embarrassed at all so <laughs> oh interlude mm-hmm. i9 death wears white yes what did you think of this so this is a non-stop page turner it's amazing i loved reading it um it's just action all the way through Mm-hmm. Zeth, Sun Sun Volano, uh, Zeth, Truthless of Shinovar, Zeth, the, what was his title? The um, Assassin in White? Yeah. Um, he is basically committing some kind of uh, pogrom, um, killing every, literally everybody in, in his path. Um, to a king. That's crazy. And this is King Hanavanar. Mm-hmm. The Vaden of king. Of Yaakoved. Mm-hmm. So, and Yaakoved, is that not the kingdom where um, um, Shalon was, is returning? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's Shalon's home. Right. It's another well, Vorn kingdom, so they believe mm-hmm. in uh, Vornism. Vornism, yeah. Mm-hmm. And remember well, this uh, is, a while sorry, back, they thought, uh, Shalon had a thought that maybe if she could get away with the uh, soul uh, caster to forget to, mm-hmm. pr- to forget to get protection, she maybe she could go to the Vaden King and maybe by handing over the soul caster, she might be able to get leniency if for some reason she, you know what I mean? So we've, right. we've heard his name before mentioned by Shalon. Right. Well, it's not looking so good for the king, and it's not looking so good for his shard bearers, and it's not no. looking so good for his nobles for either. Yeah. Yeah, so, because when Zeth shows up, he literally kills everybody. Yeah, he, and he, he shows up and starts killing everybody, and he regrets it. He hates it. He even says, oh, yeah, I'm he sorry. Hates it. And then he yep, dashed it, in to start slaughtering. Here, let me read this part to you here. Mm-hmm. Chaos ensued. Screams, yells, panic. Zeth leapt atop the nearest dining table and started spinning, cutting down everyone nearby. As he did so, he made certain to listen to the sounds of the dying. He did not shut his ears to the screams. He did not ignore the wails of pain. He paid attention to each and every one, and he hated himself. This guy is like the world's best killing machine, and he hates (laughs) it so much. And he hates it, yeah. I know, it's such a... Um, you know, uh, paradox or juxtaposition of, of emotions yeah. when you're dealing with this character because he doesn't, it sounds like he has a yearning to not want to do this, but, mm-hmm. but he must because of, I guess, what he is. Well, it's not that he wants to, it's that he is a tool, right? This oath stone, I know. whoever I know. holds it, tells him whoever what to do. And I know, I just, I, his... just, I wish there was a way for him to you know, not be beholden. Right. I wish there was a path for him beyond mm. the stone. He, um, he says before he can't, he can't help it. He's truthless. And whatever this means, mm-hmm. 
it it binds him to this oath stone and he can't he he can't stop himself he, he like he uh, I, this part that i just read you about like the listening to the wails and the cries mm-hmm. it's like he's punishing himself while it's happening he's soaking in their cries and their screams to punish himself because he feels so badly about this mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy mm-hmm. there's um well and it says here and he did as his here. masters demanded you know he's just going from table to table killing all these people yeah i mean there's a Right after what I read here, there's a there's a quote here that says he moved forward, leaping from table to table, leaping, uh, wielding his shard blade, a god of burning stormlight and death. Mm-hmm. It's just like vicious, man. This like yeah. poetry and words that uh, Sanderson is describing. It's just it's gruesome and yet beautiful. Like the the, the phrasing is beautiful, but the the acts that he's doing are are just gruesome. Well, this whole, this whole chapter, the, the way that all of this action is described is just amazing with all the, you know, the basic lashings, the full lashings, um, you know, um, manipulating the objects, yeah. um, maneuvering his body in for, um, these assassin blows. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite impressive. Um, it's very, um, it, it can be very much co- uh, compared to the very first time we meet Zeth when he goes mm-hmm. to kill Galavar at this feast. Right, because he says to King Hanavar later or whatever, he says, "You did this, like this is on you because you did this. You, like you set an ambush because you set up a feast. You invited all these people here, and now all of them are going to die. And now all of them are going to die. Yeah. yeah. Well, the king, the king His, did know. He says, you think uh, I didn't know you were coming?'" And then Zeth's yeah. like, "You're a fool." And he says, "Why? Yeah. You think uh, I should have run?" He says, "No." Because you set a trap for me during a feast, and now I can blame you for their deaths. Right, and that makes him feel a little bit better. Now he can. Yeah. Now it's it's on the king's it fault. It takes it off him a little little bit because he is the one who put them in his way. Um, I love a little a little later on that on on that page. He says uh, he's saying um, he says his opponents froze in shock as his blade vanished to mist. Um, who would drop a shard blade in the middle of a battle? It defied reason. And so did Zeth. You're a work of art. Zeth, mm-hmm. son Naturo, a god. That's the line that, um... So cool. That's the line that the guy in the mask... Remember the guy in the mask? The last time we saw Zeth? Um, yeah. Zeth was on a job for his current master. Right. And then mm-hmm. his current master's head rolled on the ground. And then this guy in a mask showed up and had his oath stone. Is like, you have a new master now? Mm-hmm. Those are his words. You are a god. Yeah. Um, he, um, there's a part here where he ends up killing three women as they try to run right. away. Right. And then he, he starts crying. And his orders were as to kill as many people as possible. Like his orders aren't to kill the king. It's to kill the king and as many, and as many. people as possible. Right. It's just absolutely horrible. Yeah, it's, it's horrific. Um, he does this thing here where he lashes the ground and makes it sticky mm-hmm. and the guards like get stuck and then they fall over and then their hands touch the ground and now they're stuck to the floor. <laughs> right. Yeah. These guys just don't have no, no chance against them. And he, again, the, it's this like he's is killing so, children. It's so visual. It's so imaginative. The use of the lashings. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, 
whenever we experience Seth doing what he does, it's, it, it, it begs for a, a visual interpretation. Mm-hmm. Like, a, cause it's just like oh, a, yeah. a, a supremely just... action packed animation or a, um, yeah, well, and, and, and the animation, like the action should be slowed down to show yes. what the lashings are doing. That's why I compared the action of this series specifically with, with Zeth, um, to the, uh, some of the action sequences in, in the matrix, mm-hmm. um, or like a John because, Woo movie or something. Yeah. Like it, it, it should slow down and show you how, how the, um, lashings are at least started. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah I could see this, I could see this, uh, uh, having many stops and starts. And like maybe even mm-hmm. like these like um, big sweeping camera angles spin around the right. room so we could see all the all the people that are floating half in the air or as the they movie fall from the ceiling. Did that very well. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Did, did that well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Zeth gets ambushed by two shard bearers here. <laughs> yeah. And then the yeah. king summons his own shard blade. He's not in. Yes, he's not right. in shard plate yeah, though. He, he has one. Yeah, he has one, and. Um, but I and I thought this fight was this part was going to be a little more difficult for for Zeth and it, and it was yeah. at the beginning. But it was. Oh, well, man. this is the thing, right? Is uh, uh, the king summons his, and then he's got two full shard bearers with him, and then the room fills up with men holding these half shards that we heard about before. Right. Navani yeah. talked about them, and she was like, half "Remember shard, the shields?" N- yeah. Yeah, she was like, "Oh my god, they created these half shields, these half shards, which are these mm-hmm. like fabrial shields that can stop shard blades." Mm-hmm. And all these men, all these men, uh, 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 pile in. Um, this is also yet again, another example of this staggered reveal. Navani, like chapters ago, um, even a part ago told us about these half shards and now we're getting to see them in action. So it's another little example of that. Um, the King pulls out one of these shards, uh, these, these shard shields or these half shards. And this is the part that you read earlier that Zeth's like. I don't need my sword. And he drops his sword because the mm-hmm. sword would be a distraction. I think he says, I'm actually going to read this part um, for our intro, but just quickly, sure. he says in this state, the shard blade would only be a distraction. Zeth himself was the real weapon. He literally fights all these guys without his shard blade. Yeah. Yeah, Zeth is the weapon. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Right. So this advantage that um that Zeth thinks or, or that the men think they have on him um goes away because these yeah. shields are supposed to be there to stop his blade. So he's like, right. Oh, you brought something to stop my blade? Okay, here, I'm not even gonna use my blade. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, it's amazing. It's a really, really cool uh It makes me think of that line um that uh um, that Cal um, talks about all the time, uh, turn a liability into an advantage. Right. And Zeth's surrounded by people who can now stop his blade, and so he's going to turn that into an advantage because yeah. it says all of them with their shields, now all these big, huge shields they're holding, is all getting in each other's way. Right. Yeah. And they can't properly move around. It's very cool. <laughs> Freaking cool, man. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really cool. And I yeah. love the way it says a, a little later, he was the storm. He was destruction. At his will, men flipped into the air, fell, and died. He swept outward, touching a table, and lashing it upward with, a, with half a basic lashing, 
with half its mass pulled downward half uh, pulled upward half downward it became weightless mm-hmm. Zeth sprayed it with a full lashing then kicked it toward the soldiers and they stuck to it their clothing and skin bonding to the wood like <laughs> it's crazy eh it's a really crazy chapter and it's, and it's such a page turner it's just like you know which is why I, I just I was saying to you earlier before we did this podcast I said well mm. I got a page turner chapter here I don't have many yeah. notes on this uh, one um, of the cool things in here too is that uh, Zeth starts to kind of explain a little bit of the technical aspects of using the lashings. Like what you just read there, he mm. he only gives it half a lashing, so now right. it's half as heavy as it is, so right. it'll float in the air now, right? And so when he mm-hmm. kicks it, I think he ends up kicking it, right? Touching the table, lashing it up, blah, 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 blah. With half a mass pulled upwards, half downward, it becomes weightless, almost like it's like g- zero right. G. And then he sprays it with a full lashing and kicks it towards the soldiers, so now it goes zooming towards them. He does the same thing with that butter knife, the table knife, towards the king. He throws three lashings on it, and then just, like, lets go of it, and it ends Mm. up falling. Instead of being thrown to the king, it ends up falling towards him, because he's made the knife believe that where the king is is downwards, so it's like he's dropped the knife at him, as opposed to throwing it. Right. And it's actually more accurate. Oh yeah, because he places it where it needs to be, and then right. let's go. I know. Right. It's, I, I find cool that whole concept is really really neat. Um, I, I like what he says here. Uh, uh, just after that, he says the shard bearers didn't work together. Yeah. They were accustomed to dominating a battlefield or dueling with a single enemy. Their power web, their powerful weapons, made them sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> it's and he's so just true. dancing all around them. You know, like. So I thought it was going to be a more difficult fight, but Mm. it was not. It sort of reminds me a little bit of Kaladin again, because when Kaladin takes on that shard bearer, um, the shard bearer is just expecting everyone to run away from him. But Cal goes right at him, right? So he's doing Mm -hmm. the thing that's unexpected. And so it's kind of like this too. Like these guys are, you know, these shard bearers expect to just dominate all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And they've Mm -hmm. never had to work together. They don't know how to work together. And so, and Zeth is just like we said before, our God of death. So yeah, it's really Mm -hmm. neat. He mentions the stone again. He's standing on, on the stone and he says the stone was sacred. He remembers for a second who he was. And he says, is anything sacred now that I've done this? Right. Yeah. That's a little sad when he's uh, lamenting. It's, it's like a little, little glimpse into who he really is. Mm-hmm. I guess, and uh, he's you know doesn't see much point in hanging on to that anymore. No, for sure. There's a couple of things here he does. He um he lashes himself upward with a quarter basic lashing. It doesn't pull him upwards like he doesn't fly off the ground. It just mm. makes him lighter. Um, a quarter of his weight is now pulled up instead of down, and so he becomes less heavy, and he can move more nimbly because of that, which is just bonkers cool <laughs> um he yeah, kills again, one of the shard bears so by um he lashes the wall towards the other wall and the wall rips itself apart and he ends up smushing the, this guy in between right. two walls Can, <gasps> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> who needs a sword dude who needs a yeah. sword well and, and and many of these moves uh you know we've seen done in uh, superhero uh, in in comic books uh, like Batman does yeah. a lot of maneuvers like this using the environment right to his advantage. Right. Um 
and really, you know, it's kind of a strong, you know, like, like going in there with a, with a shard blade and then saying, no, nah, I don't really need it. I'm, I can use my, my cunning, my wits, and certainly my understanding of stormlight, my absorption. Mm-hmm. And not all too dissimilar from uh, Batman and his other tactics. Like I'm, you know, like the sword is the gun, right? So I'm, right. I'm not going to use a gun, but I, I have all this use... other stuff. Yeah. These other tools. Mm-hmm. Where does he, uh, where does he get those beautiful, what's that, what's the line? Yeah, is where, where does he get those wonderful toys? Yeah, exactly, exactly. He doesn't need the gun because he's got the wonderful toys. Yeah, he's got the utility belt. Right. There is, um, there is a part here, um, that I have to, uh, I have to say because it, um, I had we talked before about whether or not Zeth actually needed to count ten heartbeats to summon his sword. Mm-hmm. The last time we met Zeth and he fought, he didn't. It didn't. It wasn't written in the script that he needed to uh, count 10 heartbeats to summon it, right? And I said, well, maybe it's different for him. But we get it here. He does need mm-hmm. to wait 10 heartbeats. So I just wanted to clarify, yeah. I was only, before I was only saying what was on the page, I didn't want to elude that, um, that things were similar. It was seeming like it was different. Like what he could do was different than, than what normal shard bearers do. But right here in the text, it says, he needed to wait 10 heartbeats. So I just wanted to highlight that, right. that I was wrong or that I was um, not right, I guess. <laughs> like Yasna and like how I've been throughout this series I, trying to guess what's coming wrong, next. Dude. I just hate it. Yeah. He, um, he does do something really cool here where he, he goes Marty McFly on us and he uses, he, he has his hoverboard. He ends up like floating in the air with like a, a shield underneath oh, him. The- with the plank? Yeah, with the plank. Uh, where is it here? So Zeth's heartbeat began uh, to thump in his ears. He screamed light bursting from his mouth like radiant smoke. He threw himself to the ground as the shardbearer swung. Zeth lashed himself towards the far wall, skidding through the uh, shardbearer's legs, then immediately lashed himself upwards. He soared into the air as the shardbearer rounded on him. But Seth wasn't there. He lashed himself back downwards, dropping behind the shard bear to land on a broken tabletop. He stooped and infused it. A man in shard plate might be able to be protected from lashings, but the things he stood upon were not. Zeth lashed the plank upwards with multiple lashings. It lurched in the air, mm-hmm. tossing aside the shard bear like a toy. Zeth himself stayed atop the board, riding it upwards in a rush of air. As it reached yeah. the lofty ceilings, he threw himself off, lashing himself downwards once or twice. He literally went surfing on the air. Yeah. He, he, he went Marty McFly on us there. Yeah, he, he, pulled, a, he pulled a planet treasure. Yeah. Or treasure so planet. Good. It's yeah. treasure planet, I think. We just watched that the other day, um, actually. Me and the treasure family planet just watched that the... recently. That Disney thing yeah. that happened a while ago. Yeah. yeah, it's really great. Yeah, it's got some quirky, quirky little characters. I the like kids it. were a little bit frightened by some parts because it's kind of like the main uh, guy's like father figure in the movie is kind of mean, and like he's kind of a bad guy until the end when he gives up the life of crime and helps the 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 young dude. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the big guy that's, with the big arms uh, and stuff. And yeah, exactly. That's the pirate uh, guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the kids, the kids Island. were a little frightened by it, but. Mm-hmm. No, it's so a fun one. I, I like his, only, little, his little counterpart. <laughs> the only note I have left here is that Zeth kills the king. 
You don't have to really go through it, 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 it unless yeah, you really he want kill, to. Oh, does he ever kill the king? Holy jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Leaps up, lashed himself downward with a double uh, basic lashing. He hits, hit atop the king, his increased weight breaking an arm and pinning the man to the ground. Zeth swept his blade through the surprised soldiers who fell as their legs died beneath them. Finally, Zeth raised his blade over his head, looking down at the king. What are you? The man whispered, eyes watering with pain. Death, Zeth said, and then drove his blade, point first through the man's face and into the rock below. Crazy, eh? Crazy. Just absolute, like it's a, such a small little interlude, little chapter. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's this is the most action we've seen all book probably in one small amount of space like this. It's crazy. And, and there's no alternate title for this one. Death Wears no. White. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Death yeah, does he does. What's your um yep. what's your highlight of this fight? Oh, uh, I think the highlight for me is um is Zeth's pain while doing it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. There's a part actually like, you know where he's where, where he's it? in physical pain. He's you know, he doesn't want to do this. He describes himself like I, I hate myself for doing this. Like it's just such a weird way to experience your the killer mm-hmm. in the novel and certainly if i translate it to a visual and relate it to things that i've seen in television programming and movies it that's it's just so weird to look at like the the evident the the um circumstances surrounding the, the red wedding scene you know let's say right. in game of thrones and to Imagine that everyone who's doing all the killing, the massacring, that they hate it and that they're crying and and that they're pained by it. That is an, I don't know that I've seen too much of that in my fiction, but it's certainly here in full display. He's not just crying a little bit, dude. He's crying through the whole thing. Yeah, I know. Like right before he kills the king. He says he finally stops crying, and he said he started crying at the beginning of the fucking chapter. This dude cried throughout the entire fight. It's yeah. See, it's just so it's so uh, it's so alien. It yeah. seems so uh, you know just so counter to what you would expect, and dealing with that is troublesome. Mm-hmm. As the well, and again, you know, it's this. It's this whole, uh, it's, it's the gray, it's the gray Jedi, I guess. It's the, uh, you're experiencing characters that you can't, you can't, you can't easily contain them and compartmentalize them. Right. There are no archetypes that, that fit this mold. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's tricky to pin them down. You, you can't, uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know where this is going. It's really going to be interesting to see what, what transpires. Now, you mentioned briefly that that now that we're through these interludes, so we're in the avalanche. Yeah, yeah we're in the Sanderlanch, as it's The Sanderlanch, mm-hmm. Sanderlanch of uh, the Way of Kings, in that parts four and five are going to speed up in terms of their delivery of what's mm-hmm. happening. And important, and so, too. And what now? Importance, like it's um, oh, the the really? first wow. three. The first three chapters are Sanderson putting up three parts. the bowling pins, and now yeah. we're expected yeah. to knock them down. And this is when it's coming. We're going down the lane. We are going down the lane. 
I do have okay. a little bit of an info dump here if we want to do some info oh, dump. Oh, yeah, there is a lot of Do you have an info dump jingle? Uh, info dump. Papa. <laughs> so, it's a really hard P at the end there. <laughs> info dump. <laughs> so we talked about the Prime Cada 6 and, um, and what we think it could mean. Uh, the hallowed hall is that hallway where wealthy men mm-hmm. would hang pictures of his cat of six. So it sounds like he, a wealthy man or whoever, can choose his cat of six. So it's like, like a, a hallow hall, a of buffet it's table. Hallow. How of, else are you gonna walk through it? I don't know. It's hallowed. Hey yo, it's hallow, hallowed. Yeah. There's uh-uh. so there's so there's so many holes. That was my joke. That's, that's um, but it sounds like he can pick and choose or maybe because it says he, where he can hang his cat of six. So it's like they get to pick and choose maybe what who what they believe. And we uh, we already know that uh, the Lady of Dreams is known as Ipon and she seems to be one of these cat of six. One of the things I'd like you to do after the show is take a look at the map at the beginning of the book. Because in okay. this chapter with uh, Basil and Av, um, it talks about the Night Watcher. Uh, Av's like, I don't want to walk all the way to the valley. So if right. you find yeah, Emul I was curious about that on the map, the valley. and if there is a valley near Emul, that possibly could be where the Night Watcher is located, which is kind of cool. Okay, so uh, we talked near... about the Night Watcher and how she offers a boon but gives a curse. Um, this. This could be real, or it could be another fairy tale that's being told to us. Um, this is not the first time in this uh, this book so far that we get um, these little nuggets of fairy tales, you know, the Voidbringers and all this stuff. So it's hard to be able to, to understand whether or not this stuff is real or if it's just stories. I'm trying to look this up on the map. Um, I have here that uh, Ashir is cooking with a Fabriel hot plate, which is really, really neat. Um, they, uh, with all their magical um, artifabrianism, they could create all this really cool stuff like half shards and uh, this and that. And they decided to create a hot plate so that you could <laughs> cook yourself some food with uh, um, a Fabriel, which is kind of weird. And the last thing I have here is that Zeth fought in the style of Kamar, an ancient martial art. And it uses grabs and the weight of their opponents against them, which is completely mm-hmm. sounds like judo to me. It's judo, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Judo or yeah, even, um, what's the other one? Aikido. Aikido, yeah. It's possible that it's one of the two of them, maybe a little melding of both. Um, he was definitely doing a lot of throws, so maybe more Aikido. He was definitely, Aikido. he didn't have a ponytail, so it's less Aikido because of uh, Steven Sakito. Sa- Steven Sakito. Steven Sagalo. Steven Sagalo. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's all I have for the info dump. Um, the last thing I want to say before we let, uh, let you go, I want to um, welcome to the Patreon team, Chris Papineau. Um He uh, signed Yay! up for the second <laughs> tier. Hey, Chris, what's up, Papino? Um, you know, Papino a, is, have our first um, patron. Uh, it's our first official patron. Well, uh, actually our first official patron was a lady named Linda, which is actually your wife. I think we oh. welcomed her to the Patreon team, uh, a bunch oh. of episodes ago. Uh, but we didn't, Very I don't cool. know if we disclosed that it was your wife. So that didn't necessarily count. Um, but this definitely counts. <laughs> this is the one that counts. 
Uh, so, uh, yeah, Chris Papineau, uh, thank you very much for supporting the show. Uh, you will be receiving in the mail your swag bag of uh, cool uh, merch like um, dice bags, and uh, you're going to be getting a dice bag and a um, dice tray for your role-playing needs. And you'll also be receiving a um, a uh, um, Stormlight Archive coaster i think that we have uh, we've 3d printed some coasters and there's some stormlight archive uh, um, uh, glyphs on there so there mike did a really awesome job painting them so i can't wait till you get it so thank you very much for supporting the show if you want a swag bag like chris papino is gonna get and you want to support the show you could always go to um, patreon.com slash heroes of or you could rate and review us any t- anywhere you can uh, you could also also do word of mouth and uh, go and tell all your friends to listen to the show. We have had a huge uptick in downloads in the recent uh, last month, and we are so happy that people are listening. Thank you so much yes, for very um, excited. Yeah, thanks so much for being I can't part wait of this. For part four. I know you can't, buddy. I know you can't. And if uh, you want to get a hold of us, you could always email us at heroesofacathra at gmail dot com. You could reach out at heroes of one on Twitter or Heroes of Acathra on Instagram. You could go to Facebook and go find the StormPod Facebook page, which I don't think anybody's using. I think my Aunt Julie is the only one on there. Hey, Aunt Julie. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks a lot for everything, guys. We, we love that you're listening and that uh, you're putting up with our, our tomfoolery. Jack, uh, it's been great to do this again with you. Thanks again, buddy. Take care. We'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Yeah, till next time. StormPod is brought to you by Heroes Of. Theme song by Jack Forrest Productions. Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by Jack, J, Phil, Mike, and Sean, the heroes of Hakathra.